one more time. Could you give him praise? This is a great crowd tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place tonight. It's a great time for us to go into the Word of God at this time. So would you please welcome Sister Susan. What an awesome presence of the Lord in this place. I'm a little bit leery getting up here. The last, no, the, the first time Randy asked me to speak, um, I fell down two steps, hurt myself. Last time, the Sunday before I was ministering somewhere and they had a platform whose steps are like this and there's about 12 of them. I fell down them. Almost, I couldn't hardly walk, black and blue, all over. And then, of all things, this time around, I chipped a tooth. <laughs> so, I, I'm thinking, okay, God, use it for your glory tonight. I'm, I'm up here by faith tonight, which is what I'm going to talk about, is our faith. Um, and I'm going to be reading from Mark 521 through 34, if you have your phones and want to follow. And there's two different situations in these verses um, that I want to talk about. And I remember a couple Sunday nights ago that Randy had ministered on becoming weary, becoming weary in our faith. And the Lord started dealing with me about that is, where is my faith at? Where, where do I believe that God can do the miraculous? Do I believe that when I pray, he hears them, hears me, and he can heal? He can, he can do anything in any situation that we have. So one of the stories that's mentioned in these scriptures is a man called Jairus very familiar, whose daughter was on her deathbed needing to be healed. And the other was about an unnamed woman who had an issue of blood who had suffered for 12 years. And I want to focus on this woman tonight and how her desperation and intentional faith and that's the, the title of what I'm speaking about tonight is intentional faith compelled her to have an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. How many of you here would like to have an encounter with Jesus that totally turns your life around and changes your life? So in verse 21, it tells us that Jesus had again crossed over in the boat to the other side of the sea, and a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. Verse 22 says, one of the synagogue officers or officials named Jairus came up and seeing him fell at his feet and begged him anxiously, 
saying, my little daughter is at, that, is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and that she may live. In verse 24, it says, and Jesus went with them and a large crowd followed him and pressed around him from all sides. And Jairus and his daughter was on Jesus' agenda this day with the crowds gathered around him. His intentions was to go to Jairus' house so that his daughter would be healed. But there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much suffering at the hands of many, and that's verse 26, and physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead she became worse. This woman was not on Jesus' agenda this day. So, Becky, if you would come on up here and, and you would stand, I'm going to use her as a, as a demonstration tonight. This red material that I have right here represents the disease that the woman with the issue of blood have. Just turn around to them. I'm going to place this around your neck. So it represents her disease, but it also represents our situations, our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs. So this woman suffered 12 years. She spent all her money on doctors, but she only grew worse. And because of this illness, everything and everyone that she touched was considered unclean by Jewish law. She was not supposed to be among or even look at people, but it was to remain separate and isolated. How many of you here, whether it's by things said about you or the lifestyle that you have lived, that you have given up, people say, not going near that one. This is how it was for the woman. People could not even look upon her because of their laws. So her being a part of the crowd this day was intentional. She intended to be a part of that crowd. So we don't know the details of her condition but we know that with any type of hemorrhage, that they had to be a profuse discharge of blood, which is almost like rapid and uncontrollable. And with this type of blood loss over an extended period of time, here's a few of the symptoms that she may have experienced. Anemia, weakness, shortness of breath, and difficulty in walking. Since all of her money had been spent on doctors, she probably could not afford to eat properly to receive the nourishment that her body needed. She could have looked much older because of the duration of her affliction, 12 years. 
I can't even imagine 12 years of this affliction. Not only did this condition have effects on her body, it also could have caused a lot of emotional distress. And here's some of the things that could have weighed her down. One of them could have been shame. Because of her condition and what everybody felt about her, Shame, depression, because it seemed like there was no hope that she would ever be healed. Intimidation, because she was considered unclean. Fear, living an isolated, lonely life. And also, worthlessness. Nobody cared. She couldn't even look at people. She couldn't even be with people. She had no one. Even her own family had turned away from her because of this disease. They would not have anything to do with her. She was lonesome. And though, which led to her feeling unworthy. Her disease and her emotions must have weighed her down every day for 12 years. So have you ever been so tired and weighed down either by sickness or pressing needs in your own life that you just wanted to give up? I believe we could all raise our hand on that one. Verse 27 says, she had heard reports about Jesus, of his teachings and miracles, and knew she had to get to him. So she intentionally, with a purpose, deliberately went looking for him, and while unnoticed, became a part of the outside of a crowd that surrounded Jesus. Nothing was going to stop her. Nothing was going to stop her from getting to Jesus and receiving her healing. How many of us do that? We get weighed down maybe a month or so. Oh, woe is me. I give up. God, you're not going to do it. But what if you had this persistent faith that this woman had and say, nothing is going to stop me 
from receiving what God has for me, whether it be healing of the body, healing of the mind, healing of the emotions, healing in situations, nothing. So she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his outer robe. There was no eye contact because she felt like she couldn't and all was against her. But she thought, if I could just touch the clothing just one time, I will get well. This woman had never encountered Jesus before. She had only heard about him. But she already knew before she even touched his garment that if she could touch him, if she could get through this crowd, if she could press through it, that she would be well. I'm sure she was thinking, oh, I can't let anyone see me. How can I get through this crowd? I'm just going to turn around and go home. But no, I have to touch him. We need to get that in our spirit. I have to touch him. I am going to touch him. No matter what it costs, I am going to touch him. So remember, because of her disease, she constantly had to avoid contact with people, always looking down. Yet here she was in the middle of this huge crowd surrounding Jesus, everyone staring at her, but knowing that she would be healed. And that helped her to push her way through to Jesus. She was set in her mind that she was going to be healed today, not tomorrow, but today. So she grabbed the moment and she made it her own without a man's approval, but by faith. And when you are desperate, nothing will stop you. So when I think about this story, I'm amazed by this woman's faith. It was a pushy faith. It was a get out of my face faith. It was a elbow out of my way and don't take no for an answer, faith. It was a faith faith that did not quit. It was intentional. It was intentional faith. Some of us needs to get this kind of faith that this woman has had and get up and fight and push your way through your circumstances, your healing, your situation. Do you serve a God who is afar off or does not see you? Or do you serve a God who will never leave you or forsake you? Our God is an on-time, overcoming, miracle-working, way-making God. That is the God we serve. And because of the intense crowd, there were many that even touched Jesus that day, but they were not healed. But this insignificant woman with her persistent faith caught Jesus' attention. So let me stop here, and I want to talk about a few significant details regarding the woman touching Jesus' garment. 
So, I've got an example over here. Underneath, we have the tunic, which is called the chalak, or the katuna, or the colibium, and it was long, close-fitting tunic made of linen and wool and worn right next to the skin. It had an opening around the neck and sometimes sleeves, long, sometimes no sleeves. It was worn long, perhaps to the ankles, and was fastened with a girdle or belt of linen or leather around the waist under the breast. And we know one thing that I found out when I was researching and looking things up about this woman and about Jesus, in John 19 and 23, did you know that Jesus' garment did not even have a seam in it? Not one. The cloak, which is the outside of the garment, is known as the talith or gotha. And it was a square garment that had places on the four corners. And if you see here, one, two, three, four. And in these corners, there were holes or places for tassels or fringe. And I've practiced this word all week, which is called the seat seat. So when the woman touched the edge of Jesus' garment, she did not actually touch the hem of his garment, but she touched the seat seat, the hem of his garment. In Hebrew, the seat seat was ritual fringes, fringes are also known as prayer tassels attached to his to the cloak. These fringes are not random. Nothing in the Bible is random. Everything is for a purpose and everything fits together. <clears throat> but the very specific way of what they had on them, even to the detail of how many wraps and knots were in the seat seat, each of the fringes contained a long blue cord, and I don't know if you can see it out here, but it had a blue cord that extended that was longer than any of the other cords. It also had eight threads of five knots on the four corners of the, gar the garment with a total of 600 and 13. Does anybody know what 613 represents? This is the number of co that corresponds to the 613 commandments contained in the Torah. So Jewish men were commanded in the book of Numbers verses 15 and 39 to wear these tassels and to place them on the four corners of the garment. In Deuteronomy 22 and 12, the fringes were a reminder to obey, and I don't know how they did this, to obey the 613 laws of the Lord, to follow them with their heart and know that they were servants of God. So as they looked on them, 
It was to remind them to never have fear or lose faith. To trust in the Lord and follow him and be faithful to his commandments and to think of God at all times. As these tassels were to the Jewish men, Christ is our reminder of his faithfulness to us. So it's quite a risk for this woman to be out in the public, a part of the crowd, because she was considered unclean. And according to Jewish law, any time that an unclean person touched a clean person, the person they touched was considered unclean and was subject to purification law. So this is why the woman only touched the fringe of the tassels of Jesus' garment. So she was sure that she would not make him unclean. So the fact is... You can't make him unclean. When you touch him, you touch everything about who he is, and it proceeds. It goes forward. It goes onward. It goes beyond everything that you are, and it changes your status, but it never changes him. So here's what happened. With one touch, she felt strength and renewal in her body that she had never felt in 12 years. She felt worthlessness lifting. She felt fear lifting off of her, being replaced with hope. She felt intimidation being lifted from her. She felt depression leaving her body. She felt shame that she had leaving her body. And then here's what it says. She knew without a doubt that she was healed. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. So immediately in verse 30, recognizing in himself that the power had gone out from him, stood still, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you from all sides and you ask who touched you? And still, in verse 32, he kept looking around to see the woman who had done it. And the woman, though she was afraid and she was trembling, unaware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now... All eyes was on this woman, and she declared publicly of her healing. And can you imagine that the crowd who had condemned her as contagious, as an outcast, and no one of worth was the one that had Jesus' attention? In 34, Verse 34, and then he said to her, daughter, your faith, your personal trust and confidence in me has restored you to health. Go in peace and be permanently healed from your suffering. 
by calling her daughter, Jesus gave her value that she had not received in a very long time. He gave her the true identity of who she was created to be. This woman, by touching the tassels of his garment, was the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy because it says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And the Hebrew word for wings is kanaf, which is the same word that is the symbol for the four-cornered garment. The four corners of the garment were fringes, where the fringes are connected to the Messiah, who is the son of righteousness that will rise up with healing in his wings. So when she touched these fringes, she finds fulfillment in his life because she finds healing and she was transformed. Steve, would you play the video, please? What's going on? Simon's house. We need to get through. Come back. Come back. Our rabbi has a pressing matter ahead. Promise you. It's your rabbi. Stay here. Our rabbi has a pressing matter ahead. Promise you. Come back. Please. Stay back. Stay back, everyone. No, no, no. Question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. 
I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge. I promise, you are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood has ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long, we can take her. She is clean. You have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. I'm so glad that we found each other.
can I tell you here tonight that the same Jesus that healed this woman with the issue of blood is the same Jesus that extends healing, miracles, answers, hope, and peace to you through his work on the cross. With persistence faith, we, faith, we must knock, we must seek, and we must not be detoured, distracted, or become weary from circumstances or by what we see and what we feel. Be bold in what you believe and in the God that you serve. Faith is not something that you do, but faith is, but it is something that you believe that Jesus will do. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. How's your faith tonight? Before we pray, I want to close very quickly because I want to get to prayer time with five ways you can strengthen your faith during those times when you feel like that there's no hope and all is lost. Number one, we've got to trust him. We've got to trust the God that we serve. We've got to trust him in all things. And it's commanded of us in Proverbs 3 and 5 to have faith in God, have complete trust, and complete confidence in him. And if we have faith in God, then we completely trust that he will supply what is needed. Number two, we need to pray. All simple things we all already know. Pray like you mean it. Pray like God is in the room sitting right beside you. Mark 11 and 23 instructs us to pray without doubt in our hearts and believe what we say that it will happen. Number three, read your Bible consistently. Let me tag up that word, tag on that word. Read your Bible consistently. We must know the word of God. If you're going to stand and you're going to be victorious, we have to know his word. We have to know what it says. We have to know what our hope is. We have to know those words that he gives us and what to stand up on times in our lives when there's trouble and there's things going on in them that we don't understand. Knowing God's word hand in hand with trusting God and praying. Read his promises and then have great faith in God that they will come to pass. Pray over your life. In God's word, we find strength, hope, love, peace, and joy. Here are a few scriptures that I want to give to you that will strengthen your faith. If you read Matthew 17, then you're going to believe that faith can move mountains. Do you believe that faith can move mountains? If you read Philippians 4.19, then you have faith that God will supply all your needs. If you read Malachi 3.10 and believe that if God is first in your finances, he will pour out blessings for you until they overflow. 
If you read Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, you'll know that you have the armor of God. And when possibly, what possibly can come against you? If you read Isaiah 43 and 16, then you know that the Lord makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. If you read Isaiah 41 and 10, you know to fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. If you read Psalm 27 and 14, you'll know to wait for the Lord, to be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If you read Hebrews 10 and 5, to not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. And remember the great reward it brings you. If you read Corinthians 4 and 18, to fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. This is faith in action. If you read... And this is the last one, Galatians 6 and 9. And do not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Praise the Lord. He is faithful. He is faithful. Come on, say it with me. He is faithful. One more time. He is faithful. One more time. He is faithful. Fourth, we need to live out his word. We've done all the reading, studying, and note-taking. Now it's time to start using our knowledge and putting it into action. And last, number five, is we are to be a light. You're a light of the world, so shine bright. We are to be loving, caring towards each other. We are to be encouraging and build one another up and practice thankfulness and forgiving. We should be a joyful people who don't spend our days complaining. We must be giving with our time, our talents, our treasures. And when people see them, let them not only see a person as a believer in God, but let them see a person that exercises great faith in their lives. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's Matthew 5 and 16. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We are giving up too easily and too soon on God. Hang on, push through. It's time to intentionally seize whatever your need is and to have faith. We must knock, we must seek and not be deterred. And now is the time to be bold and intentional in your faith. So, Danny, if you'd start the music, please. I could have went several directions with this message tonight, even though it involved healing. Message tonight is our faith. Where are we at in our faith? And that's what I want to spend our time in prayer tonight for. I want you to take these five principles and pray, Lord, help me to trust 
in you. Lord, help me. Give me the desire to pray, God, to be in your presence and to read your word. Help me, Lord, to live out your word in action. Lord, and let me be a light to others with my faith, that they could see my faith and that they will be strengthened. So if you just come and you find your place at the altars and pray tonight, pray that you have a great faith, that you'll trust in him at all times. And as you end your prayer tonight, I want you to pray for one another. Let's pray for our body. Let's pray for our church that our faith will increase.